Good morning and welcome to Flat Out Recovery. Morning, Morris. Good morning, Richard. And everyone else who's listening. And anyone else, and everyone else in the world, whether you're listening or not, we are here. Again, and it's Tuesday. Well, it's Tuesday now, but it won't be Tuesday when you hear this. Anyway, Ronnie, what we were going to talk about this week was this training that you did. Yes. Around treatment and... Yeah, so basically, I believe it's something that the government have put in place their spin on what they believe recovery is. So this is the government version of recovery and they'll have consulted various experts who aren't really experts. Well I spoke to somebody about this who I volunteer with and they said no it's nothing to do with the government it's the British Health Organisation or something or other. I said is that not a government body? Well yes it is a government body but it's not the government. I said, but it, it is is it public health? It's public health, yeah, so that is the government, isn't it? And oh, it's all part of, yeah. Of course it is. So, um, and, I mean, it's affiliated, even if it's not directly coming from HM government, because they'll have used some bloody management consultancy firm that costs God knows what to yeah. put the documentation together and tell loads of people that actually know what it's really like. No, we know better. Well, this is it. So the training was about this and, you know, how I was thinking about how the government doesn't put enough money into rehabilitation and stuff like that and it's always the private sector that have to put the bill for it or you know it's not the private sector footing the bill I mean the private sector make money out make, of it yeah, yeah. the third sector the are third footing sector, part yeah. of the bill because you've got organisations that are running on shoestring budgets as charities as, charities. as rehabs yeah. and they're picking up a lot of the work that really should be being done in the NHS in the first place so are they not basically the government telling people how to instead of funding just saying right you we're going to leave you to do it well actually we're not going to leave you to do because we want you to do it this way oh right um so you've been told this you've got to do it our way yeah so there's no funding they're not happy to put vast amounts of money into funding and providing rehabilitation for people who can't afford it but they're saying but yeah but actually yeah we will have an input in on it and then yeah you do it this way and it was like well Okay, so yeah, I was just listening to it. I was just a little bit taken aback by it, in a sense. And I asked a, a question. I said, The person who put this plan together, is he in recovery himself? Or? And the answer was no. And that shocked me quite a bit. Yeah, because I suppose we're used to an environment whereby it's not the blind leading the blind, it's people who've been there doing been there, the leading. Done that. And yeah. people who've been there and got a bit of time in sobriety and a bit of time clean and sober that means they're in a position to share their experience. Yeah. Because from what I see in recovery, it's not theoretical. Theoretical doesn't work. Intellectualising it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. The only way to really work it is experiential, and we're used to seeing that. Well, this is it, isn't it? Because we've got a degree, if you like, in recovery, haven't we? At the end of the day, we've lived it, we've done the work involved to know exactly what being an addict and or alcoholic is and how... Yeah you can recover through past experience what works for you so again it was somebody from a university that had put this whole book together it was it's a, a whole book yeah it was it was a book your handy guide to recovery well it can fit in an email so i doubt it's a it, you know it's got that many pages and i think let's be fair it's probably got about 60 pages in it and that was the whole thing so yeah it was like your handy guide to recovery this is if you do it this way is it therefore expected that you have to do it this way I believe not at the moment, right. no. I believe it's a trial that was done in Scotland. 
but I'm pretty sure that there'll be some underlining. That it will become legislation. Yeah. And I just thought, you know, you've got AA and NA and, and places like that. They do work. They do increase clean time and sobriety and improve people's lives. And it's like, you know, this does work. And I'm not saying that it's the only way you can get clean and sober, but it's certainly a way that, from what I can see, seems to provide the best results. Yeah. And it was mentioned also about keeping it in the day, somebody mentioned, and the person who was training was quite quick to jump on that and obviously recognised that as a buzz word or buzz slang. Well, like. they do that, don't they? They pick up buzz words. It's yeah. like lived experience has been knocking around for a while now. Yeah, and she says, we're not saying that the AA programme doesn't work, and so obviously I felt that meant she was already ready and had the ammunition to buy back if somebody was to mention, you know, what's wrong with the AA programme and stuff. And they was asking questions like, we need to find out what their hobbies are and stuff. And I just thought it sounded so flimsy. And it was the sort of stuff I would expect to have to do if I was on probation. I had to go to see my probation officer once a week to reduce my prison sentence or prevent me from going to prison if I did this course, okay. that kind of stuff. And it all led to finding out skills and hobbies and stuff like that. And it's, I don't know, it just that was all a bit wishy-washy to me. And like, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying it's not gonna work. I'm not saying it's anything other than, this is all just my opinion, by the way. Well, you're entitled to that opinion. Yeah, and I just thought if I was presented with that as a way to bettering my life, I just wouldn't have even give it a second thought. I'd have been like. So is that if you were in a position where you are potentially a service user, you would find it not yes, helpful? I would have just found it completely off-putting. I know from my experience of alcohol treatment in the conventional sense before getting to rehab, mm -hmm. was I just abused it. Like those drink diaries, you tell them the truth, they say you're lying, you're lying, they tell you you're getting better. Well, this is it, isn't it? And it all seemed very piecemeal to me, and I just thought, oh, I can get around this and tick a box, whereas in rehab you've got nowhere to hide. And I think the other danger of a governmental strategy, I won't say a straitjacket, but an umbrella schematic that you're meant to work to, that's kind of insulting to those who've got the lived experience and those who've been there, done that, and who know what works yeah and that's and that's and i'm not saying that aa is a cure-all no aa and na work we know that ca works we know that mm -hmm. however they don't work for everyone some no. people use other methods yeah but those are other methods that still depend on the power of the group or on following a routine a program a different approach to life mm -hmm. whether it be smart whether it be avrt whatever these are things which still follow something that's not stringent something that doesn't just put you in a pigeonhole and say do this and it's sorted that's exactly how it felt like i mean there was there were certain techniques on there we're expected to use like we ask certain questions in certain ways to get certain answers and we reply back in this kind of way and surely after a time people are going to go yeah i know you're going to ask me this type of question they had all these names for these types of questions and stuff like that it's just i had the same when i was working in the motor trade I could sell cars. I didn't need to go to any kind of training to be able to sell cars. Yes, I needed to understand about cars and what I was selling, but not 
how to sell them to a point and I used to go on these training courses and there was so much stuff we had to do and in the end we all sounded like robots yeah. saying the same thing and that you know these customers would go well yeah we've already been around all this and I know you want my inside leg measurements and stuff like that and you know I used to do really well at selling cars you know people buy a people kind of approach rather than people buy off a certain way you know and a certain selling technique and, and stuff like that and it, it just seemed a little bit like that and I'd on the one hand it sounds to me like a triumph of theory over practice yeah and that that theory is not necessarily based in anything other than oh let's try this and let's call it a government strategy yeah and also it's not treating the addict as a person no it's if you ask these types of questions and if you do this sort of thing you will fix them no fucking way no. because one of the things you have to do when you're working with someone who's just put the stuff down is you have to find one a means of establishing trust mm -hmm. and two a means of getting them to listen and getting them to understand that you are listening to them and you can't use a tick list of questions to do that because yeah. when people are in denial or when people are adamant they're not going to give you anything you have to adapt the way you speak to them and the way you listen to them. Yeah, it just seemed to come, come across as very impersonal and... Impersonal is the word, yes. Yeah. I just would imagine myself in a position where I thought, you know, simply... But for example, my last hospital visit was an eye-opener for me, amongst other things. Right, I've got to do something. And presented with that, I know me as a person would have looked and just gone, fuck that. <laughs> Laughable and I really don't need to be going back to school to have a career's advice. Do you think they've failed to recognise the perception of the addict and the alcoholic? Absolutely, 100%. And do you think massively. they've also failed to respect the expertise of people that work in the area? Well, yeah, 100%, because I think if they realise, I don't know what they've done, but if they knew the value of these groups, AA groups and NA groups and CA groups and whatever other groups are, they wouldn't put that on paper. This happens a lot in education, mm. in that you'll do a job in the school and the inspectorate will come in mm -hmm. and they'll say, yeah, it's fine. And then they come back three years later for an inspection. You do exactly the same thing that was fine before and they've shifted the goalpost. And they say, no, 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 you've got to do it like this now for us to say that you're good. Don't do it like you used to. You've got to do it like this now. And you get these enormous weighty documents from the government on how to teach and the one thing that they always ignored was what children actually do <laughs> and they completely ignored the nature of groups of children in that a group of children in a leafy suburb in the home counties is not the same as a group of children on a rough housing estate in Manchester <laughs> they don't respond in the same way and yet you've got your guidebook and your framework and the inspector comes in and says, oh, you're not doing this. Wow. Do well, know? I have to get them down off the ceiling first. You know, come on. This is the mad thing, isn't it? And it's like, you know, if you go to some of these rooms and you listen to people, do you really believe that the first thing they want to do is write down what their hobbies are when they've been drinking their lives to death for 20 years? Well, not straight away. I would have thought they'd be finding out about hobbies in six months' time, really. Oh yeah, it's six months time, but, but no, this is like what you are presented with when you walk into that rehabilitation centre, you know, they're already talking extracurricular activities, they're talking, improving your skills and... People are people, 
and you can't put them in pigeonholes and you have to acknowledge the journey that people have been on to end up in rehab and just how seismic it is to land in rehab especially if you've lost everything and to be at a point where you don't know where to turn and you need to establish some modicum of trust with yeah. whoever you're working with and it strikes me that having an agenda that is a, a straitjacket yeah well, I mean it's called a spade a spade mm. saying you've got to deliver rehab like this mm-hmm. I think it disserves the addict and the alcoholic in treatment yeah. and it disserves the people working in the environment mm-hmm. because it means they can't share what they want to share in the way that they want to share it mm-hmm. and they can't help in the way that they want to help without going off-piste as it were so it's very similar to what happens in education where teachers complain about not being able to teach because all they're doing is teaching in an exam so put that in rehab context rather yeah. than delivering recovery on an individualized basis with a care plan for each person you're delivering this blanket thing that just ticks all the boxes and everyone says yes sir no sir three bags full sir and then they all leave rehab and they all get pissed well i was told that this was a secret thing that the government had been doing for two years to put this study together a secret thing a secret thing yeah what have they been sending people who have mild drinking problems into rehab i don't know pretending? what they've done because i haven't received anything and i'm pretty damn sure it's on every single one of my records that i've had some kind of issue with alcohol so i just haven't got a clue i mean going back to ticking boxes you know this is completely off the subject it isn't actually my brother used to work for a company quite a big tire company and they had a contract with the council and the council used to bring their vans in and he would change their tires for them but they had to change them not when the tread was running down well obviously if the tread was below the leaf limit yeah the van would come in and change it but they had a time so those tyres could only be on that van for a certain amount of time before they yeah. needed changing. So if the van had done hardly any miles when he'd been on the road, so he might have only done four, five, six hundred miles. I mean, these tyres can do 20,000 miles before they're on yeah. the legal limit. They'd have to be changed. So I'd go there and I used to get these tyres for cheap. And that's where they come from. I was always questioning, why would somebody change the tyres when they've got so much out of the council? You know what they like? They like to blow money up the wall. And that's what they're doing. There's no real person sitting there who's actually had the hands-on experience. You know, whenever I used to work... But this is the thing. You look at some national governments. I remember a comparison being made between our government and the Canadian government. Mm. In the Canadian government, the Minister for Health is a doctor. Yeah. The Minister for Education is a teacher. Yeah. And so on. (laughs) Whereas over here, no. Because these people are shut in an office, you know. This is the way I see my head. It's got this little cloud, and in the cloud, it's like all the these thing people is, Ronnie, never it's, leave the office. It's an understandable one, because if we've got this directive coming from HM government saying this is how you will teach addiction, it's the same as what they're doing in schools. It's the same as what they're doing with the police, with the armed forces, with everywhere. Do you actually believe they are trying to help? Or do you... What are they actually sitting in that room? Are they thinking? Having looked at that document that I've got on the machine there, I would say there's something over there. It's I would say that there is a different agenda at work. And I, I don't care who disagrees with me on this. But this document is called "From Harm to Hope." Okay, sounds. A ten-year drugs plan to cut crime and save lives. Interestingly, cut crime first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We then have. A statement from Boris. Oh. 
because this was produced while he was the one that used to get pissed in the um, it's that much harder to level up a community while criminals are dragging it down so the opening statement has nothing to do with drugs whatsoever Mm. it's about criminals drug addicts and alcoholics are criminals this is the distinction because this is illegal drugs criminals it doesn't even mention alcohol in this at the moment Mm -hmm. and if we're going to make that a daily reality where we feel safe and secure in our homes and streets then we're going to have to do more to tackle illegal drugs. So this is not about treatment at all. This right. is about crime. Yeah. The financial cost of drug misuse is staggering. Costs about 20 billion a year. There are more than 300,000 heroin and crack addicts in England. How do they know that? I have no idea. How many of them filled in a census form saying, are you a crackhead? Oh yes, I'll put that. 300,000 sounds a little bit too small to me. The Secretary of State for Health and Social Care Secretary of State for the Home Department and the Combating Drugs Minister. Combating Drugs Minister. Ten-year plan, the most ambitious for a generation, sets out how this government will combat illegal drug use, reducing crime, saving lives, and challenging the very notion of recreational drug use, which fuels a violent and exploited market. So yet again, the language, they're combating illegal drugs. It's like the US and the war on drugs. And it's crime first. Mm -hmm. So the emphasis is already there. It's crime this, crime that. Oh, and then, of course, there might be people using them. This is the first ever drug strategy that commits the whole of government and our public services to work together and share responsibility for creating a safer, healthier and more productive society. This stuff never really happens, though, does it? They have actually acknowledged the Carol Black report, which is something. Mm -hmm. Drugs have a ruinous effect on our society, leaving a trail of misery in their wake. They drive half of all homicides and nearly 3,000 people tragically lost their lives through drug misuse deaths. Half of all homicides. That was lucky, wasn't it? It took me just exactly half of, you know, people, let's... <laughs> oh, yeah, bang on. Just half of them. Let's see, we've got... Oh, no, no, we'll have to discount some of those because we've got 16,003. Let's call it 16,000 because then it can be half. Half. Yes. We will make crime an unattractive option that doesn't pay. Justice will be served to drug dealers thanks to tough enforcement and world-class intelligence. You see, in this document, Ronnie, they're giving themselves away. It's all about criminalising. Criminalising. It's all about criminalising the drug. Of course it is. They're going to give the prison service the capability and technology to disrupt the supply and use of drugs in prison. Protecting prisons from becoming academies of crime. <laughs> it's all their work that they're failing at. They've got all the criminals under one roof in a prison block and they still can't control... And they wonder why they are sharing tips. Why they are sharing tips. And the way the prisons are, let's face it, I understand that some people have done some terrible things and they deserve punishment. The prisons, the standards of them, yes, you're taking away somebody's liberty and they can't go out into the world, but the prison system is like the back of the Stone Age, isn't it? You know... I know that there's other countries, like this is Sweden, where they're a little bit more like hotels in the prison. It's not the same in Scandinavia. Scandinavia. You know, I think they kind of respect, they still get, they respect their human rights a little. Yeah, it depends on whether the country signed up to a human rights convention or not as well. Because obviously countries that aren't can do what they like. Are they going to jail if they're going to attack the suppliers of these but this is the thing. On the one hand, they're saying this is all about crime. We're going to be tough on drug dealers. And it's a fantasy that they're going to stop dealing just because the government comes in and says this. 
Of course they're not going to stop. If there's a war on drugs and we're combating drugs, then we're implying mm -hmm. that we're in this war with people on drugs and the people on drugs are winning. Mm -hmm. Which means the government's approach is pretty crap, really. If people on drugs are winning the war, it starts talking about treatment now. Oh, okay. We're also that, boosting the sexist health professional workforce. We'll work with the NHS and the third sector to expand and improve evidence-based treatments and interventions. For example, talking therapies, detox, residential rehab, needle and syringe programs, and a full range of medicines that can support recovery. Naloxone. Naloxone, yeah. Life-saving heroin antidote, naloxone. As for adults who are taking recreational drugs, too often sheltered from serious violence, human exploitation, and crime in the drugs trade, there'll be tougher consequences. Right. Recreational drug use will be cracked down on. Those couple of college teachers smoking a joint on a Saturday night are going to prison. Yeah. This is it, isn't it? It's like... 900 million of additional funding. You have to laugh, really, don't you? You know, it's like, I, I read an article the other day that the plot are knocking people's doors now. Yeah to see what they're watching on TV. This is it. Sorry, I can't keep my eyes off this now. It's the language. Mm -hmm. Our strategy is designed to save lives and reduce crime, in turn helping to level up our country. It's got nothing to do with dealing with addiction. No, it hasn't. Does he actually say that he, he does that? Breaking drug supply chains is the first part of the strategy, and that's the Department of Justice. Deliver a world-class treatment and recovery system. Addiction to be treated as a chronic health condition. Oh, they've nicked that from Carol Black, haven't they? Mm -hmm. Breaking down stigma, saving lives, and substantially breaking the cycle of crime that addiction can drive by delivering world-class treatment, rebuilding the professional workforce. Why does he have to be world-class? I mean, we can't Develop even... and deliver a comprehensive, this is what you were talking about, Develop and deliver a comprehensive substance misuse workforce strategy. That's that then, isn't it? That's yeah. So it's like, what do they really know about drug and alcohol addiction at its core? And like I said, Ronnie, there's another agenda here. Because smack in the middle of this thing about what they're going to do with this money coming in and increasing the workforce and this world-class bollocks is improving employment yeah that's why they want you to ask them about their hobbies yeah of course and, and what skills they have that they can improve on and what skills have they got and what skills do they need and that's why in the middle of this while it's the department of justice obviously because there's a huge criminal aspect department of health obviously because there's a huge health aspect but the dwp being involved that's where my alarm bells go yeah it's so you got capita taking groups <laughs> You're here. You're capable of getting to a meeting. You can get to work. But again, it's the fact that the government paper, rather than actually addressing what the issues are, rather than actually trusting professional expertise, yeah. that they impose this rubric on everyone saying, this is how you're going to deliver it. And then they make up some figures in five years' time and claim that everything's world class. Our test and trace system during COVID was meant to be world class. Thirty-eight billion pounds later, it never even worked, and they're throwing nine hundred million at this strategy for combating drugs, which is a, a drop. And I think for a start, they're looking at it through the wrong lens. 
because they're only looking at it as criminal, criminal and then they're tacking on bits about health afterwards secondly there's what you've said about this training you went through where it was telling you no you've got to do it this way mm -hmm. that was not respecting the perspective of people in treatment as mm -hmm. service users mm -hmm. or of people that work in treatment mm -hmm. and I do think it's particularly important that you respect the expertise and life experience and education because mm -hmm. education takes many forms of the people who deliver this stuff already because it's no accident that we've already got so many rehabs the reason why so many rehabs have sprung up is because they're bloody well necessary mm -hmm. and then for the government to say oh we'll work with the third sector no you fucking won't you'll just expect the third sector to get on with picking up the slack yeah you do this one and out of your 900 million there'll be a few quid that goes towards the third sector to pay for beds for people that happen to get through the system it's this imposition that bothers me this placing conditions mm -hmm. like as soon as you're in rehab according to these government guidelines you need to tell us about your hobbies and this is the problem isn't it because it and also you need to do this form of therapy even if it blatantly doesn't work for the person does it make you feel like these people are avoiding society in the first place because they don't like you know having to stick to these decronian rules you know you, you you're kind of pushed into a corner everywhere you go you've got to do this and you've got to do that and you've got to do the other and you know you're born and you think why i've come out my mother's womb landed on an escalator and i've got to do this and every single thing i pass on the way every marker i pass i have to make sure i've done this and i've done that and i've done this and not everybody what is the alternative really there isn't you've got to earn money for the government you've got to wait taxes for the government to spend it on whatever they want to spend it on waste it on and it's like some people rebel against that why some people just don't want to do that there isn't another there are much more deep-seated problems here ronnie with drugs and crime it's no accident that where drugs and crime are rife together is in impoverished and marginalised communities. Mm -hmm. That's why there's the mention of levelling up in that government document. You know, you see some of the estates up north that they show you this needs levelling up. Mm -hmm. And this mention of levelling up is just a, saying it for the sake of it, really, for them. Mm -hmm. Because drugs and crime, of course, they multiply exponentially in areas where people have got nothing, where people have got no hope or prospects of improving their lives, mm -hmm. no way of getting out of where they live. They might own a house where they are, however, because of where they live. It's certainly not worth enough whereby they could sell it and move somewhere else. And if they're living in council accommodation, it may be the only thing they can get. And when it's communities like that, to be punitive and to hammer those communities and say, you're bad, mm. we're gonna smash crime. Now, forget this idea of smashing crime in the impoverished community. What about doing something positive for that community so that they don't turn to crime or don't need to? Because if little Johnny, who's nine, whose dad has been out of work for X number of years, whose granddad's been out of work for X number of years, mm -hmm. whose mum doesn't work, grandma has a part-time job, he doesn't see any role model in the family, and he gets offered some money to go and transport a few things across town. Yeah. He might even be thinking, oh, I can help me mum doing this. Yeah, A lot of it is done for that reason, I should imagine, you know, just to keep afloat. To, to have and that's what a lot of those communities are doing. They're just trying to keep afloat, and mm -hmm. of course, 
criminal activities the profitable way of improving your life and it's the only thing that they can see some of them and what this is doing this we're going to reduce crime and save lives and not mentioning treatment it's condemning all those communities that are rife with heroin and crack of course and Kensington is not rife with heroin and crack South Solihull is not rife with heroin and crack no no it isn't and basically it's saying I mean, can they really force you to work in McDonald's because that's basically what... The thing is, that's what's going to come. You see, this whole agenda of what they're pushing with the DWP being involved in this, that will happen elsewhere as well. How about they give people decent jobs? And say, here you go, here is a decent job. With decent jobs, people get ideas about improving themselves. That's not allowed under this government. In this job, we will train you. We will move you up the ladder. We're starting you off with a good salary. We're going to make sure that you're looked after. We know that you enjoy doing this type of stuff. So here you go. But that's what should be happening. And that's what businesses should be doing. And that's what the government should be doing with public sector work. And it's not. But they're so busy trying to not pay public sector workers Mm -hmm. properly that, of course, they're going on strike. We want you to go and work down the local chip shop. We want you to go and work in McDonald's. Well, no. Give me a job with prospects. Give me a job with prospects. There is a huge push from them at the moment it's in the language all the time about economically inactive Mm. and they're going to switch a lot of what they do at the DWP to be based around that Mm -hmm. I read the white paper the other day which is about how the emphasis is on how much work they can do rather than what they they can't do yeah instead of what they can't do what what they can do and it's, it's a horrible almost clinical phrase isn't it Mm. economically inactive it implies there's something wrong with the person mm-hmm. it implies there's something well this is what it is isn't it? it's like this person is no good what good is this person to us you know this person is no good for our system and how far away are we from saying that person is just taking up space that's exactly what they're doing though, aren't they? that's all they are doing they're saying that this person has they put in a value on everyone's head There'll be a value on the drug and alcohol strategy as well, though, Mm -hmm. because on this drug thing, Mm -hmm. people get offered treatment. If it doesn't work, bang, first time, and they're back in the workforce, then off you go. They're treating people like cattle, aren't they? I mean, if what they're doing is right, okay, instead of sympathising, sorry you have a disability, but I'm sure that right finger works, so we need you to push, you can just sit there and push a button. You know, that's what they're doing. You might have cancer, but you're not dead yet. You're not dead yet, so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> give me, give your last gift to society. You're now, not there yet. Hang on, I just seen your your left toe twitch. Maybe you can, you, we can use that toe to uh, test the waters. There's something we've got to use you for something. This is risible. By the end of 2024-25, we expect this government to have achieved this, right? 24-25. 2024-25. By then, they expect to have prevented a thousand deaths. Delivered a phased expansion of treatment capacity with at least 54,500 new quality treatment places. Contributed to the prevention of three quarters of a million crimes. So this amazing strategy they're putting in, they're predicting that three quarters of a million crimes will not happen. Right. That's good, isn't it? Closed over 2,000 more county lines. Delivered 6,400 major and moderate disruptions, a 20% increase against activities of organised criminals. Significantly increase our denial of criminal assets. We will reverse the rising trend in drug use over the next 10 years. 
to bring it to a 30 year low do they actually believe their own bullshit this is, yeah, they do. Mm. delivering a safe healthy and more productive country addressing the complex relationship between drugs crime health outcomes and deprivation means we will make a substantial contribution to the government's defining mission of levelling up. You see, they do recognise that it's impoverished areas mm -hmm. that this happens. You know, where's our say? Where can we sit down and have a good go, go at the government for wasting money? We will level up our response to drugs through increasing our support, targeting those neighbourhoods who suffer the most first. To help us do this, we will take learning from our flagship project, ADA, with a sharp focus on delivery for citizens. I wonder what Project Adder is. Let's look it up. Does it have a cunning plan? It's all very secretive, isn't it? Ah, Project Adder. Addiction, diversion, disruption, enforcement and recovery. Yeah. Pathfinder programme combating drugs Pathfinder, misuse. Pathfinder, that's it. Right, let's see. 59 million coordinated law enforcement activity. Again, robust monitoring and evaluation with an independent... There are some private companies. This is astonishing. To ensure that more people get effective treatment and recovery provision, including housing and employment support and improved communication between treatment providers in courts, prisons and hospitals. To reduce drug-related death, to reduce drug-related offending, to reduce the prevalence of drug use, sustained and major disruption of high-harm criminals and networks involved in middle market drug firearms planning. But the police are knocking on the doors to make sure you're not streaming on Netflix. So how are they going to enforce that? There's only a handful on on Friday and Saturday night. There are only traffic cops anyway, aren't they? That's all they are. That's <laughs> Community <laughs> support officers See, knocking on the door saying, excuse me, sir, have you got any firearms? You look a bit stoned. You look a bit stoned. And what are you watching on your TV? We want to know. It's the big corporations, though really screaming aren't they because basically you've got Sky going eh, well our subscriptions are down everyone's using them bloody fire sticks and they're telling the police to go out and knock the doors to see if yep. they're using their <laughs> dodgy it's all farce it's all I don't know what it is do they're good at writing and talking but they're not good at acting do you think there's any way that any government realistically could get a proper handle on a, a drug and alcohol misuse strategy I think there's already one out there and I think if they See, but AA and you know they they won't take money off of the government. They won't be affiliated to the government, and they won't want to be in connection with them. Yeah, but surely they can do something better than that to complement what happens in AA and NA. They can, they can pay for people to go into rehab. Yeah, simple. And then once those people are in rehab, because if I go by my experience, I went into rehab and. You know, for the first time in, in 30 years, I've been sober for two years. And I think also not just putting people into rehab, but appropriate support for rehabs themselves yeah. in terms of resources and. Yeah. Being and able so to move those people once they're in that rehab centre, you know, providing them with stuff. I think also the proper provision of accommodation, not these rogue. Do you know how they could help keep their nose out of it? Unfortunately, they won't, though, will they? What worries me is that this whole government strategy and the fact that it's so closely linked to crime, the fact that it's about, no, we're going to make them go back to work after three months, the fact that all of that is 
tied in together in one ball mm -hmm. is that actually the whole thing could be incredibly counterproductive mm -hmm. and we end up with people not going to rehab of course and I believe that and we end up with more crime yeah because if you sanction more people off universal credit more people will commit crimes well, of course of because course. the latest talk about universal credit is that when people don't turn up every day to the job center as required they get sanctioned for three months yeah if you've got no money for three months what are you going to do if you can't borrow it from anywhere it's instantly enforceable is it inevitably you're going to go and steal it of course you are crime's going to go up if you stop people you know it's not like they're not giving them a lot of money to stop them from committing crime do you know what i mean so if people are not committing crime for that small amount of money you rob something from a shop and the police are involved and let's say there's a scuffle you know mm. that's going to cost a lot more than a month's paycheck from the ufc or whatever it's called but this Universal is the thing Prince. you see ronnie what we've got is a return to almost victorian times when a lot of people who stole like low-level crime mm. they did it because they were poor yeah not for any other reason why would you why would you go and steal two jars of coffee yeah and a loaf of bread <laughs> unfortunately it's the, the proof will be in the pudding. and I think from what I've seen about how the government you know build these schemes or do either you know these government things they just never go to plan and obviously tits up I've never seen a successful something that they have a review done of the policy so that they can prove it's a success they make some figures up so of course they do they'll sit there and they'll say well actually yeah because this kept people in work the only people who keeps in work are the people that are having to write up the review themselves <laughs> this is well no, it's all smoke and mirrors but I find it still quite worrying that rather than having a treatment focused policy which is about supporting people and helping people to find a new way of living, which means that they're not going to be going to commit crimes anyway, which means that they're more likely to be back at work anyway. Yeah. The focus instead is on, we're going to combat drugs and reduce crime. So it's not actually about being supportive. It's not actually about the treatment focus at all. It's about saying, we're going to reduce, oh and yeah, we better treat a few people as well, on top of reducing crime. It's the wrong way up. Yeah. It's entirely the wrong way up. Because if people are not misusing drugs and alcohol, if people are not involved in low-level crime because of their involvement with drugs and alcohol, if people are more able to work, they will work. Oh, of course. If people are not doing all those things nefariously, they're not going to end up in hospital every few weeks. Mm -hmm. They're less likely to commit serious crime. All of those benefits come if you go treatment first. Yeah. That's the mad thing, isn't and it? yet they won't do it. Just reading that thing that I had on my screen, it's all every single point. The first thing is reduce crime. Again, going back to this course that I had to sit through with gritted teeth, it's just like going to school. For me, a lot of the parts of school that I didn't like was the you have got to do this, you've got to do that, and you've got to do the other. That's all this is to me, then it's just like. If you don't do this, you're in trouble. There's no help there whatsoever. It's so, we're going to reduce crime and you're not going to get away with it. And it's not, there's no help there. It's like, what we've decided is we're going to help people. We're going to help people. The mere way that's phrased, that document. Who are they helping? Is it basically brands every drug addict a criminal anyway? So they're going to lock more people up. They're going to drag more people to work. 
cut people's benefits mm. when I say drag them to work what I'm saying is they're going to tell people that they have to go yeah. and work in these places like so that's what it'll be Mackie D's and stuff yeah. and there's nothing good coming out of that whatsoever and the people who are living in this forced system that we are forced to live in will commit more crime because they rebel against being told what to do that's um, what I mean by the you camp. want to live by your yeah. system right and you want to put a number on my head which starts with two letters and whatever whatever it is the social security number too much American TV I'm watching what's it, what's it called over here a national insurance number mm. you want to put a national insurance number on my head and you want me to run by a system then you make sure that I'm looked after in the system well sure. it's, it's the point where something's got to give isn't it because if we've got people that are earning that can't pay their bills, we've mm. got people that are earning that go into food banks. You know, in Scandinavia, they don't have food banks. There's exactly. no such thing. They don't have homeless people either. Exactly. And we are at this point where we've got public sector workers who are going on strike. And then you've got this strategy, which is basically, yet again, they can't help themselves, can they? It looks to me like it's about condemning poor people. Condemning poor people. Because it's... You know, we've got poverty in these areas. Let's try it out in these impoverished areas. Let's say it's a big war on drugs and let's force people back into work. All that's reaffirming in that community is you're shit and we don't care about you. We and it ultimately, it is going to lead to a massive reaction. It will have to in the end. All that will happen is, you know, you can't be expected to go to work. If you want me to flip burgers and you're willing to pay me £100 a day, then fair dues, I'll do it. But apart from that you know you put me on minimum wage which you've set the minimum wage you're telling me I've got to work you're telling me how much I've got to earn you're telling me how many hours I need to work and you're telling me what I you're not providing me with a house where the rent is going to cost me this much are you going to give me a council flat or a council house whatever I've, well there know, aren't many council properties left so you go to the private man is charging God knows what you know to rent his flat out and unfortunately your minimum wage and the minimum hours that I'm working or maximum hours wouldn't cover that so what do you expect me to do you know your numbers don't add up the way that bills are the way that the cost of living has increased in recent months years is such that minimum wage isn't enough to get by we're talking about a huge percentage of the country that are now not necessarily able to pay for things the way they might like and therefore are being deprived of dignity and bear in mind that drug addicts are right down there at the bottom drug addicts are, are all criminals mm -hmm. they're all evil they're all grotty people from northern housing estates aren't they mm. well there might be the odd one down south but it's this stereotype and it's not in my backyard send them all to prison and it's policy like this doesn't help people that are caught in a spiral of drugs and crime and sending them to prison because they're caught in a spiral of drugs and crime doesn't necessarily help them either yeah. I mean if they do something that means they have to go to prison okay fair dues of course but they need to look at the prison system in terms of does it rehabilitate people because this ridiculous language about oh we don't want prisons to become academies of crime they already are they're sitting there sharing tips all the time because actually that's the way the prisons work. They're not supporting... There's more drugs in them prisons. Access to drugs in prisons is a lot. You can pick up whatever you want in there. And the thing is, with the people, there's always ways around everything. And people, the common Joe public, will find that way. And yeah. they will do whatever it takes to live 
some kind of life that they want to live, regardless of what some man in a suit in his office is going to say. You know, and I don't think you are ever going to stop the use of illegal drugs. I know that sounds defeatist, but you're never going to stop the misuse of alcohol. They're planning by 2030 to have a smoke-free generation. That's not going to happen either. They really are just turning us into lemons, aren't they? Well, that's the plan, yeah. And then they wonder why people turn to escape. And on that hopeful note, (laughs) on that wonderful, uplifting note, Ronnie, I think for this week we'll love you and leave you. There will be... More rants about government policy to come in weeks in the future. Yeah. But I do think it's particularly important, this stuff, because if the emphasis is on criminality and not treatment, Mm -hmm. then that is going to put people off. It's going to put people off accessing treatment. If they think you're going to treatment means they're going to be forced back to work, that's another thing that will put them off. There are all sorts of things that are wrong in this approach, Mm -hmm. in that it's emphasising the the negatives rather than the positives. Mm -hmm. And it's not emphasising support it's emphasising criticism. Mm-hmm. If anything we've said has resonated with you in any way, concerning yourself, concerning anyone you know and love, all the extra usuals, but I can't remember what to say this week, then do Google it, look for treatment centres, look for rehabs, look for alcohol and drug advisory services. There are lots of things out there, and there's always something that you can find to suit you. And with that, we'll leave you for this week. Goodbye from me. And goodnight from me.